From the campus of Stanford University and on location, this is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast featuring in-depth one-on-one interviews with purpose-driven entrepreneurs and high-performance game changers committed to extraordinary ideas, preeminence, and multi-generational success. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggles, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes these game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by Tom Dioro, principal of Podfather Media. Thank you, Tatum. For our guest today, I'd like to welcome Rob Trimble, DVM, co-founder and executive director of Fuzzy Pet Health, and Jess Trimble, DVM, and CVO, I love all those acronyms, at Fuzzy Pet Health. For more information, feel free to visit their website at yourfuzzy.com. Again, yourfuzzy.com. Rob and Jess, honored and really happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being Thanks here. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. We, we appreciate it. And actually, I, I, we might have to back up and uh, we've had some changes in our lives. Pretty much everything you just introed is incorrect. <laughs> no way. Okay. Well, you know what? Why don't we do this? You go. Out. You guys go ahead and intro. Go ahead. Start, Jess. I am Dr. Jess Trimble, and I am previous chief veterinary officer of Fuzzy Pet Health, and now the current chief veterinary officer of Anapanion, which is a, a veterinary telehealth company. Oh, nice. And then I'm Dr. Rob Trimble, veterinarian by training, and was the co-founder of Fuzzy Pet Health, as you mentioned, but now I'm actually the executive director of the Veterinary Entrepreneurship Academy which is a nonprofit organization that's trying to make an impact in the veterinary space by increasing in innovation and entrepreneurship from within the profession. Thank you very much for doing that. This is awesome. Before we got on our show to say, you know, we want your audience to know kind of who you are as people too. What quote or axiom or prayer do you guys have, <laughs> and to go ahead and lay it down, that really kind of <laughs> moves you through the day, through your lives personally and professionally? You can join in at any time. I want to hear this. Sure. Uh, there, there's certainly a bunch of them, uh, but I will say the one that over the last year that I think has affected me the most and really applies to 2020 really nicely is breathe out bullshit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's it has really taught me to you know consider the things that are important and just brush away the things that don't matter. <sighs> Excellent. Very well said. <laughs> How about you, Rob? Are you, you sharing that or you, you have a, maybe one? Totally appreciate the sentiment. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think about that quote a lot. Uh, but one quote that has come to mind recently actually relates, I think, if I could pull it back, pull a layer of the onion back a little bit, it relates to how we were trained as veterinarians, I think, to look for root causes of disease, right? And one of the things I'm really interested in is organizational design and decision-making within organizations. So one quote that stuck out to me recently that I read was actually from a man by the name of James March. He won the 1978 Nobel Prize in Economics for his contributions to the understanding of organizational decision-making. And he said, the basic problem for any organization is to engage in sufficient exploitation in order to ensure its current viability, and at the same time, devote enough energy to exploration in order to ensure its future viability. So in other words, how do you balance an organization's short-term needs with its long-term priorities? So a sense of balance, I think, is what this quote speaks to me a little bit about. Very good. Let's segue into like, the culture with what you've, you've created with fuzzy, uh, fuzzy Pet Health and every, all the th facets that you've gone into from the uh, entrepreneurs and innovative. What really drives both of you 
to make that significant of a difference in people's lives? I think we probably have very different drivers. And it's been probably. interesting. You know, we we met in undergrad, we went through undergrad together, we went through veterinary school together, we actually practiced in the same practice right out of school together. And so we we sort of got our early career built on the same foundations. And then we've sort of split into these different directions where, you know, he's doing all that you explain what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But for me, my motivations lie very much in seeing my colleagues struggle in this profession, seeing them have issues with wellness. You know, they, they just want to provide great healthcare and take care of pets and help the pet owners. But there's so much that prevents them from really doing their job properly. And that's my motivation is sort of that triad of how can I help the pets, help the pet owners and help my colleagues and finding that that happy place in there. So that's, that is definitely my underlying motivator. Yeah, that's great. I share again, in a lot of those sentiments, I, I think for me personally, <clears throat> I think there's two things. During our fourth year of veterinary school, I remember looking at the how the veterinary profession was starting to change and recognize that the future was going to be a lot different than the, the past that our ancestors had inherited. Uh, it was going to be mark, uh, characterized by rapid change and change is uncomfortable. We recognized that at the time and we said, well, if we're going to experience a lot of change, then how can we get comfortable with that? How can we get comfortable being uncomfortable? And so it was around that time where we said, what is the, what's the most uncomfortable thing we can imagine doing? Uh, and we both grew up on little farms in rural Illinois. And for a couple of farm kids, one of the scariest things to do is to probably move to California. <laughs> so we said, yeah, let's do that. Let's move to California. It still is. <laughs> it still is, right, in a lot of ways. Uh, but I think at the fundamental level, it's been pursuing that, trying to get comfortable being uncomfortable and at the end of the day, helping other people. You know, I, I, there's probably a deeper story I can go into there later on about sort of why you pursue some of these things. But I think that that speaks to my drive within the veterinary space. Is, is help them get comfortable being uncomfortable because they're going to experience the profession itself. We're going to experience a lot of change. So help the profession itself understand how to manage and deal with that changes and grow together. Yeah. How about even from a customer or client's perspective that uh, it, it, seeing fuzzy pet health and, and what you're doing, it really, uh, obviously the care is there, but it also see, I see that there's a, um, a culture of, just caring really deeply, not just about the pets, but about the carer of the pets. And then the, the system, if I'm reaching too much, seemed to be either broken or never really established and was very fragmented. And the best I've seen is what you're doing to actually make it cohesive and take that, what you said, Rob, of that what's uncomfortable or disorganized and making it comfortable. Is that is that accurate? A little bit? If I when you think on that main message, the main drivers, and, and looking back on what happened with Fuzzy, I think that spirit was there at the and whenever we founded the company. And I think that still is there in, in terms mm -hmm. of its relationship to, to pets and its desire to improve the lives of pets. And I think that probably always will be there. So I, I think it was a, a great opportunity to, to work with them. And, and, you know, I think we both of Jess and I continue to, to carry that spirit on in our current work uh, with the Veteran Entrepreneurship Academy and then with, with Jess at Anapanion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we have always worked with mission-driven companies, right? And as veterinarians, people don't become vets because they're going to make money or because it's glamorous. They, they do it because they care, because they care for the pet owners, they care for the pets. And I think working with that type of person, you know, the animal lovers everywhere, they, they do it because it is a mission that they 
get fulfillment out of, you know, driving that forward. And Fuzzy was certainly founded on that mission of increasing access to care. You know, Anna Panyan is founded on on similar, you know, how can we help the veterinary industry, that that strong mission-driven culture. And the Veterinary Entrepreneurship Academy is the same, that mission of helping veterinary students and other veterinarians. And so that's, it's always been a strong part of our lives and the businesses that we do run, uh, culture is just incredibly important yeah. to us. And having that mission-driven culture means that everyone's on the same page and moving in the right direction together. Excellent. You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and podcast on KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Dr. Rob and Dr. Jess Trimble of Fuzzy Pet Health and Anapanian as well. What's the website there for Anapanian, Jess? Uh, so Anapanian is, uh, it's, it's simply what it is, anapanian.com. And then uh, the Veterinary Entrepreneurship Academy as well for Rob, V-E-A dot V-E-T. Excellent. Yeah. It, going back to that, that I would not have thought of that uh, veterinarian veterinarians are also entrepreneurs almost to a person is that something that's for taught in veterinary school at all or addressed the entrepreneurship i love that you <laughs> asked this question because the nature of being a veterinarian is inherently entrepreneurial you're facing a, a, a myriad problems every day that you may not have ever experienced in the past and you have to come up with solutions that address that challenge and to a degree that's taught in, in veterinary school but when it comes to the business side of things when it comes to the business education, it's, it's not as emphasized as much as the medical education. So a lot of students miss out on that opportunity when they're going through the school. And the, the thing that really drives us at the academy is that we recognize, again, the future of the veterinary profession is changing. It's changing quickly. It's a very hot space right now. And there's a lot of influences coming into the profession, even from those who've never really grown up from within inside it or from within the profession. And as the profession changes, we want veterinarians to be able to have a seat at the table and to be a part of that conversation so that they can impact the future that they're going to inherit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think veterinarians very much, and, and when we went through veterinary school, it's, you know, your four years of undergrad and then your four years for the doctorate. And within that four years of the doctorate, I believe I had approximately one class over one year that was business oriented. It's very, very limited, which is incredible considering many veterinarians go on to own their own businesses and then really have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> so there's a huge gap for most veterinarians in understanding how to run a business, but also that entrepreneurial side of, I can start my own business. I can make an alternative practice model. I can work outside of clinical practice or outside of academia. Those things just aren't taught. And there's a whole wide world for veterinarians out there uh, that most don't know about. What's changed in the last, say, five to, yeah, just say five, the last five years to today in, in your practice that you can recall like, oh, absolutely this, the law, the, this, whatever it is. What, what significant changes have happened Telemedicine is a big one right now, and yeah. you can speak to that very well. Yeah, that's that's my uh, my heart and soul at this point. So veterinarians have practiced medicine largely the same way for the last, what, like 150 years. You either go to somebody's house or they come to you. It, it just hasn't really changed. And sure, there's new medications and, you know, maybe there's some new diagnostic equipment, but really the overall process hasn't changed. And then what, 20 years ago or so, humans started bringing telehealth in and veterinarians still kicking and screaming said, no, no way, not for us. 
we're sticking with what works. But in the last five years, we're starting to see acceptance of virtual care within the veterinary space. It's been slow, but we're getting it there. That's sort of one of my little side projects is to see how far we can push veterinary regulators and, and get some of these laws changed. Because currently, the laws state that unless I have physically put my hands on your pet, I can't give you advice. However, you can go down to the pet store in the corner and the kid who just, you know, is in high school can give you any advice he wants to. And so there's some really terrible legal restrictions for veterinarians that keep us from doing our jobs to the best of our abilities. And so that's something we're starting to see change is that that acceptance of where we can give advice or not through electronic means and the fact that it's, you know, 2020 and we're still having conversations about this in the veterinary space is incredible to me. But that is probably one of the bigger changes that that we're seeing. How is it to get veterinarians to, to change, to to look that forward? Is it is it easy? Are they like, oh, this is great? <laughs> I would say it's a, it's a challenge in general. You know, veterinary medicine, we tend to be a relatively conservative profession. And I think that's for good reason, right? For the safety of the animal. I think there's an element of conservatism that's it's valid and warranted there. But, you know, I think COVID-19 has been one of the biggest things to sort of accelerate the acceptance or at minimum, the exploration of how new technologies can be applied mm-hmm. within a system of a veterinary practice or within a veterinary hospital to enable new types of healthcare delivery models and ultimately enable better patient care. Yeah. I, I would say though, this year especially has been the year where all the veterinary practices have realized, okay, yes, this is actually something we need. We need to improve. We need to bring in these technologies. But because everyone's staying at home with their pets and now they're noticing all these problems with their animals and half the population got a COVID puppy veterinarians are so incredibly swamped that they actually don't have time to institute these changes into their practice. And so we're stuck in this horrible cycle of they know what they need to do, but they don't have the time to do it just over and over again. So it's it's been a tough change to help institute in the profession. Rob, initially, you had said also the root cause of disease. And if we can go back to the, what's the root cause of this avoidance of change <laughs> too? Oh, that's that's easy in my view. That's just being human, right? I think there's just an element of being human here that is completely natural in that we tend to shy away from things that are different, that are abnormal, that are the other, mm-hmm. self versus other, right? And we've seen that polarization play out this last year uh, to a very significant degree, right? Um, but I think the, the real value in changing and, and sort of being able to help people make that change is in highlighting the common bonds that we share and the impact that we, we can have when we come together in that change. So that's the, the angle that I try and communicate is mm-hmm. the value of the potential upside of coming together in order to create that change and reduce the fear that surrounds change. Ultimately, it's fear, mm-hmm. fear of the unknown, right? Yep. But once you step into the unknown, you sometimes find that it's not so bad. And then you can take another step and you look around and you say, is it, am I okay? Am I still alive? Okay, let's take another step. Right. And see how it feels. So just one step at a time is the way I I describe it. But for better or for worse, you know, veterinarians, they don't want to take that uncomfortable step. You know, if we're thinking about patient care, you're not going to do something that's sort of unknown because it could risk the health of your patient. And so veterinarians are known to do the things that they know what works and they don't want to change that because it could be a risk to you know, their their patient's life, really. You know, we're taught to not change anything unless we have a peer-reviewed journal article that actually says it's the right uh, step to take. And so stepping out into that change without 
a definitive black and white answer is, is certainly difficult for those medical professionals. You know, we we're talking about balance earlier, and I think this comes back in this point too. You know, I think there's a, a very, like I said earlier, an element of conservatism that's warranted when it comes to patient care and, and sticking to what you know and what's been proven. But when it comes to developing new business or dealing with new challenges that your business might face, there's a lot of gray area there. There's a lot of unknown, and you have to take some calculated risks. And so I think the balance point here is coming back to how can you be relatively conservative and stick to what you know works well with your patients, but also look at your business as this continuously evolving, continuously adapting thing that you can be comfortable with a little bit, a little bit more ambiguity with. This is excellent. It's also the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. Our shout out is to, for the Veterinary Entrepreneurship Academy. The Veterinary Entrepreneurship Academy helps prepare stakeholders for a future of rapid change through a, through immersive educational and internship programming. They support some of today's most innovative companies, broadening their uh, academic reach for to today's also most forward-thinking veterinary colleges and build creative, confident, and exponentially capable students. Their website you can uh, feel free to visit is vea.vet. Again, that's vea.vet. We're talking today with Dr. Rob Trimble and Dr. Jess Trimble of uh, Fuzzy Pet Health and Anna Panyan. And uh, Rob, can you share with us uh, your, uh, you know, what inspired you to uh, begin the Veterinary Entrepreneurship Academy? Well, I got to say, I'm I'm really good friends with the, the two founders that really got it going. And Whenever I, I left Fuzzy back in the fall of 2018, my next step that would really be kind of a wholesome experience, move out of the venture capital-backed world and to do something that maybe fills your soul a little bit. And so I wanted to experiment in the nonprofit space and to work with students because of the, the energy and the passion that they all carry and the sort of authentic wholeness and genuine appreciation for positive impact that's there. And so having that opportunity, when uh, my friends came to me and said, we need someone to lead this organization, you'd be perfect. It seemed like a perfect opportunity. And I think it, it has been. It's been a great opportunity to, to work with some of what I really, truly believe are the best veterinary talent who's trained in the principles of business and entrepreneurship. I mean, the students that are coming out of our programs are, are already creating their own businesses. I got to see three of them last year in the IDEA student innovation competition. And actually, that's a program that we have open right now for applications. From uh, You just need one veterinary student on your team. But fundamentally, this IDEA student innovation competition, it's kind of like a cross between Shark Tank and Y Combinator. Right? And so we're trying to help students refine their own business idea. And then over this coming semester, the spring semester, we'll refine those business ideas, whittle down to the top three teams. And those three teams are going to be put into a pitch competition sponsored by Merck Animal Health, who's going to be sponsoring the prize money at $17,500. So a really great opportunity for students to develop their ideas that might just be lingering in their head and take an idea from concept to company. Excellent. Evolving and adapting. That seems to be a lot of the theme of all the uh, your involvement in uh, with pets and even uh, your practice. Am I reading it wrong, or that no, there is a no. I, th I think that probably covers it. Um, you know, we we both practiced clinically for many years, and we loved it. You know, getting to work directly with with pets and pet owners, and then there was that yeah, right that point of evolution and adaptation where we realized that maybe our 
personal skills were better utilized in bigger picture ideas rather than working with one pet. You know, for me, for instance, I'm really interested in how we can scale telehealth systems and veterinary clinics to not just help the couple of pets in the clinic, but the 20 million some pets a year that aren't getting care. You know, there's a lot of really interesting ways that we can adapt the technologies that we have to help more and more pets and people. So I've certainly evolved through my career in, in trying to help more and more pets and, and more and more people. Um, and I think you've certainly evolved what you're doing almost day over day. <laughs> Always. Always. Evolve, yeah, evolve this sense adapt of, or die. Adapt yeah. or die. That's <laughs> another quote. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, I'm going to touch on something that you had said, Rob, that I think really, um, it's, it's heavy and light at the same time. And says, you're talked about filling your soul a bit. Can you dive a little deeper on that? What that yeah. means for you? And, and Jess? absolutely. Now I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Maybe it goes back to when I was a kid. I remember actually we've got four or five inches of snow out here on the ground right now in Fort Collins where we're living. And I, it reminded me of a time whenever I was a kid coming home from school and got off the school bus and walked down the quarter mile driveway to the farm in the snow and walking into the dairy and, you know, feeling the steam coming up from the parlor and all the smells that associated with working and living and growing up on a dairy farm. And I remember when I was very young asking my dad, you know, he, I would have been a fourth generation dairy farmer had I continued the tradition. My dad was a, far, a dairy farmer, his dad and so forth. And I remember asking my dad and recognizing that the dairy industry was changing a lot. There were a lot of dairy farms that were going out of business. There was a lot of consolidation that was happening. Very similar things happening in the veterinary space too. But I remember asking my dad, am I supposed to do this? Is this an expectation that whenever I get out of school, I come back and I work as a dairy farmer? And I'll never forget it. He said, do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. And, you know, I think that message stuck with me because when I got to my fourth year of veterinary school, you know, we're going into clinics. We'd worked for four years or three years, didactic book work. And now we're, we're in the front lines. We're actually working with patients. And I thought, okay, people are going to be happy. We're at the finish line. We spent all this time, all this money going to school. We're at the finish line. People are going to be happy. And what I saw was the opposite. I saw relative misery. And I said, what's going on here? You know, I'm a positive person. I'm an optimist. I like to be around people like that. Not that I see the world through rose tinted glasses, but I prefer to, I, I believe that optimism generates new opportunities and creates growth. So what I recognize is, is this a local thing at my school or is this a cultural thing, a, a more systemic thing? And as I got out into the profession working, I realized that it's actually more of a systemic thing. There's a lot of people, veterinarians who are suffering in their current jobs. And so I said, what, come back to that point, we do what makes you happy. So what does make you happy? And I did a deep dive into what makes you happy. And I learned that there's three big things that contribute to filling your soul and making you happy. It's having a sense of autonomy is the first one, seeing, having a sense of control and direction over your life. Step two would be having a sense of competency or mastery that the work that you're doing, where you can see yourself improve at something that's personally meaningful. And the last piece is having a sense of meaning and purpose or connection to the work that you're doing. Believing and feeling that you're a part of a, a bigger purpose, that the work that you're doing contributes to something bigger, and that you have a sense of relatedness to the people you're working with, that you're part of a community. So I think all of those things are what ultimately drove me to, and it still does, to continue to pursue those types of career opportunities is what fills your soul and how can you have the sort of the biggest impact on others. This is outstanding. I mean, this... This is for, I think, 
this transcends not just uh, obviously the veterinary, but in all facets of life, especially professions, is those one through three. Did you come up with those yourself, Rob? No, I wish. No, I, no, I okay, stand okay. on the shoulders, or oh, I stand on the shoulders yeah. of giants. Uh, okay, wow. No, no because those are those are obviously very profound, and I think uh, 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 all of us can benefit from taking that in and actually putting it into practice on a daily basis. If your readers want or listeners want to learn more about it, there's a few resources I'd recommend. Uh, the sure. Positive Psychology Center at the University of Pennsylvania is kind of the, the major driving force behind this. A couple books. Uh, Susan Fowler wrote a book on why motivating people doesn't work and what does. And then Dan Pink wrote a book called Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. Uh, it goes into a lot more research and detail on those points. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. That that telemedicine, the scale telemedicine clinics, that's kind of, in my mind, seems a bit exhausting. Like, is there a, a blueprint for that or is it also something that evolves and iterates? We are making the blueprint as we speak. There are a few companies that are, are working on it. Nobody's really figured it out entirely yet, um, partially because we have some unfortunate regulatory hurdles to get over before we can really scale it um, the way that we think it will affect the most people or help the most people. So certainly it's, it is an ever-evolving, ever-adapting adventure to be on. What have we not covered during your show that you'd like to share with your audience today? Ooh, that's a good question. We work a lot with students. Obviously, Rob does through his, through his job, but I dedicate a lot of my time as well, even through being a, a CVO at, at Anapanian, to the students. Because if we can get these students prepared now to enter into an entirely different world, we'll be a, a better profession in, in five years. And I think that's one thing that we both focus on a lot is understanding that when we graduated veterinary school even five years ago, we weren't taught that we were going to have artificially intelligent x-ray systems and machine learning that can, um, you know, look at slides of cells and tell us what's this, that, and the other. And so we have been taught this traditional way of being doctors up until now. And even the students that are exiting veterinary school now are being taught the same thing. And we're entering into a world of telehealth and artificial intelligence and machine learning and, and all of these incredible technologies that are going to be coming through. You know, people are now 3D printing pieces of dog skulls to use in surgeries and, and stuff that we were never taught in veterinary school. And so working to ensure that the students that we have coming out of school are adaptive and can evolve and are comfortable with these changes is probably one of the, the bigger passions for both of us is you know, instilling that entrepreneurial spirit and that they might not necessarily start a business, but they need to be internally innovative and internally entrepreneurial to survive as a veterinarian in the next 20 years to take on all of these crazy changes that, that will be affecting their professional lives. And I think I agree 100% with what Jess said. I think one other element that I haven't talked much about, but something I'm really passionate about is organizational design organizational design. So specifically coming back to that point of what makes you happy, right? And, and I remember thinking about that when I was looking at, at my fourth year of veterinary school, thinking, what about this situation, this environment has been designed the way it has? That, you know, what's the root cause here that leads to this unhappiness? And so I started studying from an organizational design standpoint, what are the elements that a leader can do to integrate into his or her business that would generate 
happy employees with the belief that if your employees are happy and productive, it's going to have a better customer experience and your business is going to be overall better off. And so I think getting to the root cause of it, one of the things that I've recognized that hasn't changed uh, over the last 150 years is the way organizations are structured and designed. And there's some vanguard companies out there that are experimenting with uh, organizational structure and distributed leadership. And what does that look like? There's a whole bell curve of how that manifests within the world. But that's something I'm very, very interested in exploring and, and hope to integrate into a future business someday, is that distributed leadership model where it truly empowers people on the front lines to, to be innovative and to be creative and have that impact in the business. You know, it's one thing to educate those students who are coming up and are going to be the next generation of veterinarians to believe and think that way. But if, they're not, if they don't have an environment within which they can utilize those competencies, mm-hmm. then they're going to struggle. Uh, I think, uh, to realize their greatest potential. And so that's something that I'm really interested in is, is how do you create the right environment for the optimal potential to have the greatest impact? Excellent. It's been a great show. I'm really honored to, uh, to be with you guys and, and always exciting to, uh, to talk about this. And thank you very, very much for being, uh, for being on the show today. Oh, thanks for it's having been us. Been it's our it's pleasure. fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur radio show and podcast. Our guest today has been Dr. Rob Trimble and Dr. Jess Trimble. Rob and Jess, what I'm going to do is something a little unique is offer you to direct your listeners to uh, the website if they choose to do so. So go ahead, fire away. Sure. For me, if uh, anyone's interested in learning more about the Veterinary Entrepreneurship Academy, they can visit vea.vet. That's vea.vet. Pretty simple. And for me, you know, please check us out. We're at anapanion.com, um, offering some really cool, unique solutions for veterinarians to get into this century, not even the next one, just this one. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it, guys. Join us again next time when we welcome another purpose-driven entrepreneur or high-performing game changer committed to ideas, positive outcomes, and a better world. I'm Tom Dioro. The Entrepreneur's radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and on location. The chief audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. Chief engineer is Mark Lawrence, and we are all assisted by Peter Caroline and Omar L. Sabrao. And the executive producer and host of The Entrepreneur's Show is Tom Dior. If you wish to contact us, our email is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Thank you.